Brothers and sisters in Christ, as we begin our study of the Apostles' Creed, our study of the content of our faith, so to speak, we begin, as you noticed, by saying, I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. Now, when we make such a confession, we are saying some very specific things. Please understand, we're not saying the same thing as a Muslim, a Hindu, a Jehovah Witness, or a Mormon, who also confess belief in a God or gods, as the case may be. Nor are we saying probably the same thing as many people do when in a moment of excitement or crisis they say, oh my God, whatever that means and whatever God that might be. When we confess, I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, we make much more than simply an intellectual statement. We're saying much more than just a remark about a divine being. Rather, when we say this opening statement of the creed, we are confessing that we believe, first of all, that God exists without question. Secondly, we confess that we may know God in a personal sense. And finally, perhaps most importantly, we confess that we are in a living relationship of commitment, of trust, of union with that God. Remember, my only comfort in life and in death is knowing that I belong to my faithful Savior, Jesus Christ, who is God. For the Christian, what we confess when we talk about God is not that he's some far-off removed deity, not some tyrant sitting on a throne itching to throw people into hell if they mess up in life, not some man-made impotent idol or some impersonal force in the universe a la Star Wars, Rather, the Lord we believe in as Christians is one whom we call Abba, Daddy, Father. He is the one who has created us, all things for that matter, called us and all who believe to be his children, sealed that to us in the sacrament of baptism, and then sent his son, one and only son, to this earth to pay for your and my sins and to make all things new. So when a Christian says, I believe in God, then he says, he is my, our God, my, our Father through Jesus Christ. This confession, I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, is an intensely personal confession. It's an exclusive confession. It sets us apart from all other faiths. In other words, we confess the only true God in spite of what others may claim. Now, in the midst of a society and a world that accepts all sorts of different gods and that says it's not important which god you believe in as long as you believe, 
It is vitally important that the Christian church makes clear its confession concerning God, and it's important that those who sit in the pews understand what they confess concerning the Lord. And this confession, of course, must be based upon the teaching of Scripture. But it's vital that the Christian pulpit does not lose its message, its punch, because if the Lord declared from this pulpit or any other claimed Christian pulpit is just referred to as some divine being of sorts who can be called upon by all sorts of different names, then we've lost something of the essence of our faith and then we no longer have a unique message to the world. And so it is that the Heidelberg Catechism in Lord's Day 9 zeroes in on the unique confession of the Christian by asking the question, what do you believe when you say, I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth? What's included in that confession? And I love the Catechism because it asks questions. It's always important to challenge what we believe and to ask questions about it. No one in this congregation, no one in the Christian faith should be afraid to ask questions concerning the faith. We're not a cult. We're not a sect, both of which usually don't allow its adherents to ask many questions. So ask away. Go for it. And so here's the question, so what do you believe? When you look at the answer given in answer 26, the central thrust of the answer jumps out at us, and it's an exciting answer, that the eternal Father of our Lord Jesus Christ is my God and Father because of Christ, his Son. Behind all the qualifying phrases found in answer 26, we hear the grand confession of the authors of the Catechism the Father of Jesus is also my Father. Hence the comfort of the Catechism and the comfort of the faith. But let's dive into all of this in more detail based upon Lord's Day 9. When we talk about God as Father, says the Catechism, we must note, first of all, that God is the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. He is the Father of the Son. The whole matter of the Trinity, the three-in-oneness of God, comes into play here, as Pastor John spoke about it last Sunday. And that whole matter is going to be discussed in greater detail when we get to Lord's Day 13, where we're going to deal with what we mean when we confess that Jesus Christ is God's only begotten Son. What does that all mean? At this point, we simply note that our confession concerning the Father includes the fact that he is also the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, God did not become a father like your father became a father because you were born. As a matter of fact, there was never a time when God was not father because both the Father and the Son are eternal. And precisely how all of that works is something I do not understand that's something of the mysteries of the Trinity and not really for us to know. We do know that the Father and the Son had a loving relationship for Jesus obeyed the Father perfectly. And he also told us, if you love me, you will obey my commandments. 
Jesus loved the Father and loved the Father's will. In the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus prayed, My Father, not as what I will, but as you will. Your will be done. The Father also loved the Son. John 3, 3, 35, the Father loves the Son and has placed everything in his hands. The Father has never let the Son down, and Jesus had perfect trust in the Father, never doubting that the difficult path he had to travel for our salvation was the right path and the only path. So first of all, then, we confess that the God we believe in is the Father of the Son of God namely Jesus. But there's more to this confession because secondly we confess that the God that God is the father of all creation, answer 26, for out of nothing he created heaven and earth and everything in them. At the time of the writing of the Heidelberg Catechism in 1563, I suspect that such diverse theories of how the world came into being did not exist, not exist at least to the extent that they exist today, and so there's no mention made of them here in the Lord's Day. It's interesting to me, the catechism simply reflects the Bible's approach to God. No argument for the existence of God or how that works or what kinds of things we can put together to make sure that we all understand He exists. No, simply Genesis 1-1, in the beginning God created. Psalm 33, 6, 8, and 9. By the word of the Lord were the heavens made, their starry host by the breath of his mouth. Let all the earth fear the Lord, for he spoke and it came to be. He commanded and it stood firm. Psalm 104, verse 5. He set the earth on its foundations. And then the psalm goes on to sing the praise of the Lord who made everything. And John 1, verse 3. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. The passages are numerous, telling us simply that the Lord exists. No long arguments for the existence of God. He merely is. That's a given. And he created all things out of nothing. His designs for the earth and everything else were originals. No previous patterns were followed. And God simply made everything according to his good pleasure. And I sometimes think when I look around, God must have had just a great time. He must have had a ball doing this. Think of the smallest of creatures, even those unseen by the naked eye. And then think of the vast reaches of space and the galaxies that exist beyond our solar system and everything in between. It's God's universe, our Father's world. He made it. He gave life to it. And he continues to uphold it and give it life. Should he withdraw his hand, his care from us or from the creation, it would be pulling, like pulling the plug on someone who's kept alive by a, resp by a respirator. If the plug is pulled in such situations, usually the person dies. If God the Father were to withdraw his providential care, we would perish. But more about that next Sunday when we deal with Lord's Day 10. Now you know as well as I do that there are all kinds of people in this world who deny that God is the Father of creation and that he made it and that he gave it life. 
There's an overwhelming mass of material which presents to us as gospel truth that everything just kind of came into being through chance. If you've ever been to Science North in Sudbury, you will hear that message there in the neutrino laboratories and so forth. There we learned that the whole world was created in a single big bang some five billion years ago. And in connection with neutrino studies, we learned that the world will end in an implosion some four billion years from now. So we don't have to worry about any of that. We won't be around when that takes place. Without batting an eye, we were informed rather matter-of-factly, like the universe unfolded with a big bang, so the universe will end in a big bang or a big implosion. The entire length of history, we were told, without batting an eye, is nine mil billion years. Now, I'm sure you've heard variations on that theme all over the place. Just a note about all of that. The teaching of a place like Science North or Bob McDonald's Quirks and Quarks, which is a wonderful science program on CBC, teach from a stance that is very opposite from what the Christian confesses concerning the creation. Namely, by faith we understand that the universe was formed at God's command. Those who advocate a universe or creation without a creator cannot really, I suspect, answer some of the most important questions in life, such as, who am I? Where do I come from? What is my purpose on earth? What is my destiny? For you see, if we just kind of randomly happen to appear on the earth, as non-biblical theories will posit, then we will just also randomly happen to, to disappear. And if that's indeed the case, then we just kind of are and then are no longer. In the long run, life will have very little meaning. Everything is just a matter of chance. You know, whatever will be, will be, and it just kind of was. And too bad for you, you died earlier. Too bad for you that you're sick, or too bad for you, or whatever. There's not much you can do about it. But you see, the Christian, when they confess that the Lord is the creator, then we can also answer the basic questions of life, like who am I, where do I come from, what's my purpose? Arriving on the scene by chemical accident leaves us with very little purpose and really doesn't put us in much of a higher category than the one-celled amoeba. But being created by someone whom we call Father means that there is someone who made you and me for a purpose. And of course that someone is the Lord God. And he put us here to bring glory to his name and to care for the creation. And what an incredible creation it is. He placed us on this earth as kings and as queens to look after it and to rule it and to guard it and to care for it. And we live now in, the, in his presence. And he is the one who's moving all of history and all of creation to that day when all things are going to be made new. There's nothing fateful, chanceful about that. One author expressed his sentiments concerning those who exclude God from the creation equation this way. Quote, anyone who can contemplate the eye of a housefly, 
the mechanics of human finger movements, the camouflage of a, pro of a moth, or the building of every kind of matter from variations in arrangement of proton and electron, and then maintain that all this design happened without a designer, happened by sheer blind accident, such a person believes in a miracle far more astounding than any in the Bible. To regard man with his arts and aspirations, his awareness of himself and his universe, his emotions and his morals, his very abilities to conceive an idea so grand as that of God, to regard this creature as merely a form of life somewhat higher on the evolutionary ladder than the others, is to create questions more profound than answered. I believe in God the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. Is it important to confess the Father as the of creation, as God as the Father of creation? Is it important to confess him as creator? Well, where you begin your thinking will determine often where you will end. If you begin as a scientific experiment with some wrong data or on a false premise, your conclusion is probably going to be faulty. If you're hiking using a compass, small error in the compass reading will probably not bring you to your desired point. Refusing to accept or to recognize God as the father of creation will lead one to quite a different conclusion than if you accept him as the creator. The first, the Bible in Psalm 14 calls the fool, the one who does not accept the Bible calls the fool, the one who accepts, the Bible calls wise. The teaching of Scripture, as hard as that may be to accept, is the first does not have life, whereas the wise do. Well, this particular creating father also looks after his creation. He rules allowing the created laws to be followed. He provides for the entire extent of his creation. He accomplishes all things according to the counsel of his will, says Ephesians 1.11. He can do this, create, and care for the creation because of one of his attributes. He is almighty. And he can also provide for the recreation in Christ Jesus because he is all-powerful. No creature, no man, not even Satan can stop his plans of love and recreation, which is presently being worked out in history. No one, nothing, is able to dethrone him. A coup in heaven is impossible because he is almighty and he is all-powerful. Now this father of our Lord Jesus Christ, this Father of all creation, this Creator God, this wonderful, almighty Provider King, says the Catechism, is my God and my Father because of Christ His Son. That's the third way in which He is Father. And the authors almost explode with excitement and the confession becomes incredibly personal. In the beginning, God created all things perfectly, including the human race. 
But through that fall into sin, if you know your Old Testament, if you know the basic Bible story, through the fall into sin, we were expelled from the presence of the Lord, shown in the expulsion from the Garden of Eden. Mankind was lost, cut off, fatherless in a sense. But the Heavenly Father who created us for a purpose, namely to bring glory and honor and praise to His name, immediately did something about the horrid condition we had fallen into. He sent his son into the world to track us down, to take us back home, to restore us to the family of God, to restore us to a relationship with him. And in order for us to be adopted as his children, a price had to be paid, a steep price. I'll never know how much it costs to see my sins upon the cross. You know, that, that line from one of the songs that we sing. Well, in some ways, we do know how much it costs to see his, our sins upon the cross. It cost him the life of his own son. Jesus had to give his life for us, and he willingly did. And now by his grace and by faith, we as believers are back in the fold. We are considered as brothers and sisters of Jesus, sons and daughters of the Father. Galatians 3, 26, all who received him, that is Jesus, who believed in his name, he gave power to become children of God. We're going to talk some more about that tonight. So when the Christian confesses, I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth, it means that we recognize that the God is the Father of Jesus Christ, his Son, that he's the Father of creation, that he's the creator, and that he is our Father through Jesus Christ. God the Father who made all the billions of stars and who knows each and every one of them by name. God the Father who made the entire universe. Can you imagine? Has a relationship with you and with me, his children. He knows my name. It's like you going to your yard, if you even have a yard. You going to your yard and going into the backyard and having a relationship with every single ant in that yard. You know them all by name. You know what they do, where they go, what they're busy with. They're your children. Can you imagine that? You care for each one of them. This is an incredible, marvelous confession to make. And it's a confession that we can only make through the working of the Holy Spirit. This is a Christian Confession. But now I'm afraid we have to go just one step further, as does answer 26. For there's really no comfort in merely saying, mouthing, I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. We must also believe it. We must accept it by faith. Then it becomes real. And it's at that particular point that this confession hits home. If we really believe that the Father of Jesus and of creation is my Father, that ought to have a profound effect on our life. Look at how the Catechism puts it. As a result, I trust Him so much that I do not doubt He will provide whatever I need for body and soul, and He will turn to my good whatever adversity He sends me in this sad world. I trust him so much. Knowledge and trust. A believer's attitude and life is to be one of trust. 
this sort of trust doesn't refer to some kind of Christian magic. As one author put it, quoted this, the, the desperate rubbing of a rabbit's tail, hoping it will bring luck, is substantially different from the quiet prayers, I am in your hands, Father. And our trust is not to be rooted in some otherworldliness, stars, some objects, even other people. Our trust is to be rooted firmly in the Lord, the Lord of the Bible, the Lord who made all things and the Lord who continues to uphold all things. The creator who began it all will also be the one who will bring it all to a proper glorious conclusion. We can be sure of that. Our trust in him is not so much in the sense of trusting a salesman enough to buy a car from him. It's more like trusting our lives to a wooden bridge stretched across a kilometer deep ravine. I trust him so much I do not doubt he will provide. Not doubting doesn't necessarily mean not wondering. We may indeed wonder how things will turn out or if the bridge will support our weight as we walk on it. But not doubting means that indeed we leave everything in the hands of God our Father and go forward in life in the confidence knowing that he will absolutely never ever let us down. And it means you don't have to worry about tomorrow. He will always be there. And history will go to the place he would have it go, not where we would have it go. And such trust makes us incredibly vulnerable. If I genuinely trust him so much, then I can go ahead and seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and in so doing, I may be challenging those who challenge the Lord and his word. Yes, we may have to suffer for his namesake in this world as we challenge injustice and all sorts of evils, but we will not miss the glory of the Lord. God Almighty will see to that. This trust the Catechism writes about is the type that allows us to live and die in the comfort of knowing that we live and die being His. Children of the Heavenly Father. A Father who never lets us go. What an amazing confession. I didn't know that when you just say these simple words from the Apostles' Creed. It makes it exciting. I believe in God the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth, a beautiful and very unique Christian confession. Knowing all of this allows us to truly sing, this is my Father's world, why should my heart be sad? The Lord is King, let the heavens ring. God reigns, let the earth be glad. And all God's people said, Amen. Father in heaven, what an amazing confession. There's so much stuffed into all of that. It's so unique, unique to the Christian faith. And it's filled with a sense of trust and a sense of awe concerning who you are concerning the fact that we are your children by grace. 
O Lord, we pray that through the working of your Holy Spirit, you would allow us to say these words from our creed and from our confession with true faith. And so, Lord, we pray that through our confessing such words, that we may truly live in response and live accordingly, knowing that you are a Father who never, ever lets us go. To you be the glory. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.